Good day, good evening, or whatever it is for you right now, folks. I hope it's good. Wait a minute. Good is the biggest enemy of best. I hope it's the best <laughs> time you've ever had before. This meteorologist, Joe Bastardi, the American uh, Storm on Twitter, although I am now also lying dog-faced pony soldier, <laughs> uh, being inspired by my president, who uh, is calling climate uh, deniers, lying dog-faced pony uh, soldiers. And this is the American Storm podcast, and this is... To be, like to be or not to be. No, mm -hmm. we've actually had recorded a couple that have not worked out so well, but this one is going to get on. And I'm joined by the American girl, Jesse. Mm -hmm. That's me. That's me. That's my daughter. We like Tom Petty. What's, and uh, <laughs> of course, the voice of everything that's anything that will ever be anything that's everything for <laughs> Penn State. He probably should also be broadcasting the football game. No, I'm like kidding. <laughs> Jeff, Byer, be cool. Jeff Byers. Jeff Byers. Because wrestling is everything. Right? It's a very lucky <laughs> gig exactly. to have these days. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Mm -hmm. We're wrestling school. So. I mean, we're, all, we're actually not. Okay, we're not going to talk about Penn State sports. Why? No. This, the, the Can we talk about anything? The podcast. <laughs> we talk about anything. We start with climate and weather, and then we branch out. Why and, can't uh, we talk about both? Why can't we talk about how every time there's a strong El Nino, Penn State football plays well? We can well, just we, go right into that. Yeah, we've <laughs> but first of all, we want to make sure that our standing invitation to Dr. Michael Mann uh, and uh, or and or Bill Nye or both at once uh, to come on the show. What about AOC, too? I, I like that AOC doesn't know what she's talking about. We need about. to protect our brain cells. Do, do, Dr. Mann and Bill Nye actually <laughs> do make sense with some of the stuff they say. But <laughs> She's like uh, a free lemonade stand. No <laughs> sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, Jesse. Is that it? So, uh, this new getup we have here is easy to get things going. But uh, no, but it was a big week as far as climate uh, ad hominem attacks and uh, nonsense went. Uh, you know, we have our our illustrious president over in Hanoi, <laughs> and I don't understand how he decides uh, to bring up climate change over there, but he decided to, and he made two interesting statements. Uh, I don't. I don't know that a lot of the Vietnamese know John Wayne movies. <laughs> I don't know that a lot of Americans know John Wayne movies anymore. But he, uh, since I used to watch John Wayne movies with my dad all the time, uh, I do know the movie he was referencing, where uh, a a native a Native American uh, said, and he, Joe Biden, of course, could call him. A, Called him an Indian. So the Indian turns to John Wayne, points at the Union soldier, and says, "He's a lying dog-faced pony soldier like that." So, <laughs> and he says, "Well, we got a lot of lying dog-faced pony soldiers about global warming." And I'm like, "What the heck? Like, where does that come from? And why would you say that?" Then I decided, well, maybe. You know, if, if you don't, if you keep denying that you have a granddaughter for four years, and you're probably capable of saying that. But then he, this is, this is, a, I don't know if you guys saw it. I mean, they had to turn off the mic and get him out of there because he started, he started babbling about how uh, global warming is a bigger threat to man than an than all out nuclear war. And I'm like, hi, <laughs> hey, listen, I could take the increase in. 0.1 Celsius every 20 years or something. If uh, a thermonuclear device went off in uh, Happy Valley, I, that would be a quick change of climate. <laughs> well, and that is part of the problem, Joe, with the whole crisis mentality is 
even if you subscribe to it and you believe that it is going to get really bad, it it is not going to get bad tomorrow. And the one thing we have always done as human beings is adapt. That that is probably our greatest asset as a species. We are able to analyze a situation, and if the water is, in fact, getting higher where we live, what we do, you see, is move to higher ground. Right. And if it's too hot where we're at, we move to a cooler area. Well, but that's not, but what's crazy is it's opposite. What are these people all stupid? They're moving to Texas and Florida? Like, why, why would you want to move to these places if it's such a, a climate change hellhole and it's also controlled by a bunch of uh, you know, fascist dictators for some reason? Uh, 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 this, is, this is what gets me, that the average American, and I'm, I'm now saying the average, you know, there's this, uh, this stuff that you hear, uh, yeah, I hear that especially conservatives go, the American people know what's going on. No, they don't. No, they don't. I was sitting at a football game yesterday. I was talking at the Penn State game. I was talking to someone, and very, very successful people. I was explaining to them the whole uh, the linkage between underwater volcanic activity and how the warming actually proves, the warming you see now actually proves it can't be CO2. You know, their whole their whole theory is, hey, we got to mix up that up. So they had this idea that, oh, the atmosphere can warm the ocean. You only get a penetration of a millimeter mi- millimeter or two of radiation. It instantly cools and gets thrown back into the atmosphere. Make a long story short. So she was very attentive to this. So, well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. How come they don't show that? And I said, well, how come, how come they don't show what went on with Hunter Biden's laptop? She goes... What about Hunter Biden's laptop? What are you talking about? Totally oblivious to the fact. You see what I'm saying? Total, and, and that's the average American. They don't care. And what's going to happen is you're going to wake up. Look what just happened with the energy secretary. You guys see that one? She decided she was going to take a little cross-country trip or something in an EV. And just, it just fell apart miserably. She couldn't find charging stations. She couldn't do this, couldn't do that. <laughs> You're not finding a charging station on that one middle of nowhere Arkansas. What's that one road that we drive through Arkansas with the worst the worst oh, uh, interstate and, highway and it, stop it, stations it, 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 where there's just trees oh, for miles? I-40. You can't even go to the bathroom on I-40. Never mind finding a charging station. <laughs> yeah, that, Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. No, but no, she's right. There's a <laughs> there's a uh, uh, it's near Forest City, Arkansas. <laughs> that is the worst rest stop I've ever been in in my life by apparently the you know the old uh, get the prisoners out of uh, prison and let them clean something up ain't working in there I was like holy smokes and believe me as a wrestler I have been in some really nasty locker rooms <laughs> and all this actually the, that broke the record for the nastiest locker room I've this is what's going to happen on this podcast it goes all over the place the nastiest locker room I was ever in was my junior year in high school we were wrestling the novice tournament up at Holy Spirit High School in Absecon, and <laughs> they put us in the women's locker room. I was just absolutely horrified at what I saw. I'm, I'm dead serious. I was a, a good Catholic boy. I'm like, I didn't go to Holy Spirit. But I was like, holy smoke. Before City, Arkansas, congratulations. Your rest stop over there, I-40 moving eastward, did defeat the Holy Spirit girls high school team. And climate change wasn't responsible for either of them. 
See, just goes to show you, no matter how bad, bad things are, somewhere they're even worse. That's exactly right. So we we have these, you know, perhaps I started the show a little bit rambunctious here. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I tell people all the time, listen, President of the United States asked me, hey, listen, you know, you, I think you're completely wrong on global warming, but you seem to be a pretty good forecaster. Uh, could you give some advice? I'd gladly do it. I would gladly do it. In fact, I'm always picking on DeSantis. Yeah, I don't know if I just I said to I said tweeted it out today on the American Storm. I said, "Get ready. This looks like a hurricane to go a hurricane or two threat in October for Florida." You know why? What part I, of Florida? The entire state would be under the gun uh, with the the you, you know when you're analyzing a threat from this distance of you know three weeks away, it's not like oh yeah, it's coming into so and so's backyard or whatever. It should be. But uh, and the Bahamas too. Very concerned about the Bahamas. I have a lot of clients here. But what I do is I, I look at the pattern. I go, wait a minute. <laughs> I've seen this before. So what happens is I've, uh, you know, uh, before uh, Idalia, which, by the way, fell apart completely coming to the coast. You know, Idalia, they made a big thing about how global warming caused it to be stronger. It came in and it was barely even a Category 2, yeah, if that. They said Hurricane um, Hurricane Nick Lee was going to hit as a— as a cat five, but <laughs> sorry. That oh was yeah, that, uh, thank you for reminding me that the Daily Mail <laughs> a week ago, and Lee ramped up to a Category five on the Sapphire Simpson scale, but on my scale it never got over four because it was so small. It's this little pinprick out there that had 160 mile an hour winds and a five mile wide band near the center. Now it's expanding and it's, it's certainly the real deal. Although uh, it's not as strong at the center as it was a few days ago, but there goes the Daily Mail, uh, you know, because a couple of the computer, the cones, you know, that Trump played with, uh, uh, New England preparing for uh, Category Five devastation from Hurricane Lee. This is like ten days of ten days off, and this is the stuff that's going on. Uh, talk a little bit about that distinction with the, the categories and the actual impact of the hurricanes. And then I also want to go back and talk a little bit about the underwater volcanoes. But start with just the the, the impact and the difference uh, that hurric the the difference that a the impact of a hurricane can have based on the various categories. It, versus the size and the, I guess, well, type the, pro of, of the problem with Sapper Simpson about. is twofold. One, it's only a measurement of the highest winds near the center of the storm. Okay. So uh, if, let's say you have a, uh, what we call a, a dime sized storm where hurricane force winds only extend out 10 miles to west or 10 miles to the east, as opposed to a massive storm where hurricane force winds are extending out. 150 miles west and 250 miles to the east, right? Uh, the the uh, absolute damage at, 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 you know, so ground zero might be greater. But the overall damage and what, let's say I have a client and they're interested, well, how, how much damage is it going to be from this storm? Well, obviously, if you get one that's going to affect a lot of areas and knock out power over a lot, and it doesn't take a lot to knock out power. You get 60, You saw what happened with a thunderstorm went through State College the other day. We had trees snap and everything else. So you get 60, 70-mile-an-hour wind gusts. So uh, my power and impact scale is, uh, you know, incorporates the size of hurricane-force winds, the size of um, 
50-knot winds, a size of 34-knot winds. It also takes into account the Saffir-Simpson uh, measurement, the highest wind at the center and the barometric pressure and the barometric uh, pressure tendency. Now, all this is also meant to counter the whole global warming missive that it's getting worse. Because what they do, okay, they, they go, uh, this hurricane ramped up faster than any hurricane on record. No, it's faster, maybe faster because you saw the recons, but the 1935 hurricane that went through the Florida Keys went from a tropical storm to the worst hurricane on record in 36 hours, right? Hmm. I mean, it, nothing has ever touched that. And so uh, you don't know if you had recon in that, what that, that would have done, right? Mm -hmm. So we're constantly looking at this stuff and measuring it. And you, then you get the lying dog-faced pony soldiers <laughs> that start making their own conclusions of lunacy out of it. It means it's getting worse. It means it's getting worse. And it's not getting worse because, uh, like I said before, if a storm has more energy spread out over a larger area, it may not be quite as strong at the center, but it's doing more damage all over the place. So the real way to judge a tropical cyclone is through kinetic energy. That tells you how well the, uh, the storm is converting the potential energy of the ocean to kinetic energy, real, live, uh, the amount of uh, action and reaction that's going on. And the bigger the storm, the more kinetic energy. So what they have to do is, if they really want to do this the right way, you go back and you reanalyze all the storms. You reanalyze them, right? And you, you do it with the wind field, the extent of the wind field, and then you start plugging it in, and you'll find that the storms are not getting worse today, right? They're, they're actually, uh, they're actually uh, Sad. you know, you, get, you get go half, it's six of this and half dozen of the other. But the point is, it's being portrayed that way, and it gets into people's minds. Like I said, people people don't pay attention to what's going on. They see, oh, my gosh, this is the biggest thing ever. Well, when you see Lee in three, <laughs> three, three or four days, Lee is going to be a huge, classic, old-time Atlantic storm, the ones we used to see. You know, out there, yeah. it'll, it'll have 115-mile-an-hour winds, but the hurricane-force winds will be extending out 200 miles to the east and 100 miles to the west. And even though the storm at the center may not be as strong, it will certainly be more impressive than it was when it was this pinprick, and they called it a Category 5. The devastation that the hurricanes are causing is, is more so these days because just the population has grown oh, yeah. and the, in the areas that they hit? Or is it just well, also I, just partially... <laughs> Bad luck. Some hurricanes mispopulated areas and some Yeah, hit. I mean, you know, Hurricane Brett in 1999, and I was on in the lower Rio Grande Valley, and I'll never forget, and this is how people were. Uh, the National Weather Service, the Hurricane Center, was forecasting Beulah. And uh, Beulah was a 67 Category 4 and 5 hurricane, bisected the lower Rio Grande Valley and just basically rearranged the whole economy of the area for about three years because it was so devastating. So that's what they had with Brett. And I said, no, it's going to come up. It's going to come up, miss you guys, and then come into the come into Kennedy County where there are more, car, uh, more cows than there are human beings, right? <laughs> so it, it, it paralleled the coast and then turned in between Corpus Christi and Brownsville. Nobody lives there. There are a lot of feral boars out there. I actually knew a guy... I knew a guy who was a real weather nut and had, you know, 
it's like JR, and you know, had all the money in the world. He says, Hey, I want you to come down here sometimes. We'll go out boar hunting in my helicopter. I said, I'm not freaking crazy. I'm not going to do that. But the fact is, if Brett had done what the Hurricane Center had done, had said, it, it would have devastated the valley. So, anyway, after this was done, listen to this one. I so, said, I literally go, and everybody would, everybody in the radio station and the, the, the TV that I work for, they were like, God, this is a great Bastardi, you're great, and all this. You know, I actually knew the head regent at Texas A&M who literally ran the lower Rio Grande Valley. He was getting me 50-yard 50 50 line tickets to the Aggie game back then when RC was, RC. I mean, I was just like royalty down there. And uh, so I get a letter from some guy, and it says, you know what, smartass, one of these days you're going to be wrong. <laughs> so I'm looking at it and go, aren't you happy? Uh, first I said, aren't you, uh, thinking to myself, aren't you happy that this has missed you? And then I go, holy cow, I must be pretty good if I haven't been wrong yet. <laughs> Which I don't. That's I, a pretty uh, good uh, track record yeah, for Stardy, I'm telling but, you. Well, that's, what, that's what starts happening. People, people were, but again, it hit nowhere. All right? The, Idalia went in. There's very Perry. uh uh, Perry, Florida, and uh, but even I was looking at the maximum wind gusts, and they, the maximum wind gust weren't even to category two. Never mind, the so stay winds were supposed to be 125 miles an hour. When the storm is weakening, the strong winds don't get down to the surface. Mm. So that's a big problem. Hey, I want to go back. Can you talk about the the underwater volcanoes? And because that is something that, until you talked about it on one of our unaired episodes, uh, that I I really had not even heard about. You're that. right. You're not. And it's one of those things that I, I don't even think it's. I don't think you can fault people for not exploring something that's out of their realm, but it's not being reported on. As near yeah. as I can tell, especially, pretty much at all. Yeah, especially because I've heard you say there is disproportionate warming, but where is it coming from, right? And so it's not necessary, even if there is disproportionate warming on the surface, uh, um, because people, I feel like people who don't buy into the climate cult stuff, rightfully so, it's like, okay, but they also are not aware that there is a sense, there is a, a, a little amount of disproportionate warming, isn't there? Oh, it's distorted. But distorted. It's, That's it's, what I mean. This distorted, not it, disproportionate. It, it's distorted because of the fact that the thermohaline circulation, if you're constantly generating warmth from below, is going to distribute the water in a way where it tries to rotate into the northern part of the Atlantic, rotate into the northern part of the Pacific. Now, why is that? Look at the continent of North America and look at Asia, right? So what happens is it creates this natural bowl that forms the circulation, and you have what we call the ring of fire with all the volcanoes that are going off from Tasmania all the way through the western Pacific up to— Yeah, underwater, near, right? Uh, right, underwater volcanoes. Yeah. So this is, just, this is just moving along with the thermohaline circulation, and then it works its way into the Atlantic Basin, and the Atlantic Basin has underwater volcanic activity also. What is absolutely astounding is the denial— of this, and I've got this. I've got the st statistics. Uh, what happened was I started speculating uh, after the 2015-16 El Nino. I said, "Okay, this looks really. This can't be being generated by carbon dioxide. You know, these super ninos go off. Mm -hmm. Something's going on." And I started thinking to myself, "Well, what happens if there's a cumulative buildup of heat in the ocean? It has to try to come out sometime, right?" And you, every time you get a super nino, it puts all this water vapor in the air, and the water vapor warms the atmosphere, water mm -hmm. vapor being the number one greenhouse gas. 
So I, I was, uh, a couple of guys have followed me, some of the geologists, Dr. Arta Viterito, who, you know, I feel uh, this, this guy is just a godsend to me. He started sending me the volcano, volcano data. And Dr. Yis Kim was doing all this work on underwater heat waves caused by volcanoes, right? That's so cool. So, so, and what I was impressed with was as much as we can detect the increase, we don't have enough data to actually show the real increase. Yeah. And, and they won't fund it. No, it's not. It's like it's not even like, oh, we don't have data because you can't get it. They won't fund the yeah, finding uh, of this data. The ocean has 99 percent of the thermal energy in the entire system. Mm -hmm. What do you think is driving the entire system? They have a bass backwards uh, uh, argument that, uh, no, the atmosphere is driving the ocean. That's not what's going on. And I read the paper. I read the paper and the guys, the guy has this brilliant paper and they makes the wrong conclusion. And so somehow, hold on a second, somehow or the other, they don't believe clouds are important to all this stuff. It's just absolute, it's insanity when you actually look at it. But it's what I call Hunter Biden laptop meteorology and climate. Hide it, hide it, <laughs> deny it. And that's what they're doing. Do we have any data then on on the volcanic yeah. activity historically? Like well, how, how does this compare well, to... All we can, all I can tell you, Jeff, is I suspect... Now we know the reason for these climate cycles, all right? Now we know because, and, and, and you know, when I was down in, uh, down in Orlando uh, back mm -hmm. in uh, February, I got to sit with uh, Chris Moncton and Ian Pilmer. And, uh, you know, we're, we all do believe the volcanic influence is huge, right? But it's interesting in listening to, you know, when you, when you talk to Dr., uh, Lord Chris Moncton, the guy just, he plays... He only does, this is what this British lord does for a living. He creates puzzles, and let's say you have to spend a thousand pounds to uh, enter the game to solve his puzzle, and if you solve the puzzle, you'll win twenty-five thousand pounds. So uh, this is this is what he does. He creates mm -hmm. these puzzles that no. This is how genius this guy is, right? So anyway, he's sitting there going, uh, "Okay, well, what's causing that?" And I said, well, uh, you know, I, all I'm concerned about in what I do is what is o warming the ocean. He goes, no, well, you have to be concerned about why that would be occurring. And apparently, and he's curious. The, yeah, the, this is crazy. The the, the 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 molten core of the Earth is ro changing its uh, its rotation. It's it's turning the opposite way, which in turn puts unnecessary a lot of stress on the bottom of the ocean floor, and you release the geothermal activity. Mm -hmm. Now what? Then he goes, well, what's causing that? And this is what, what was really wild. I said, so he goes, well, it's a gravitational pull of the sun, and especially Jupiter. Jupiter. I'm like, what is That's Jupiter? That's so cool. Right. So apparently he goes, and these cycles have been occurring back and forth for years and likely explain a lot of the climate variation that you see and CO2 simply reacts to it because the ocean's the biggest yeah. the ocean has all the CO2 also has all the water vapor and all the CO2 mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. where do you think most of that's coming from like i said before the uh, the earth has 3 billion trees that gets rid of 50, uh, 150 uh, uh, trillion pounds of carbon dioxide is washed naturally, right? Mm. And supposedly the uh, we don't even produce that much on a global scale. So what the heck is causing the increase? Well, if it's warming, 
it would be it would be something to look for. Initially, it was probably the input from man, but it no longer is. And besides, this is a crazy thing that if CO two was doing this, why is it from 1950 to 1990 there was no change in sea surface temperatures? Right? When you La Chatier's principle says when you introduce something new to the system, that's when the system reacts. And then it adjusts, and you get diminishing return, mm. right? So we can't even tell what CO2 is up to because what was really just introduced in 1990 was the beginning of this increase in geothermal activity. And then here comes Hunga Tonga Gunga Munga, this huge underwater volcano that increased the amount of water vapor in the stratosphere by I don't know how much. People are going out of their minds with it, and it warmed up, right? So what you've had is you've had a cumulative buildup of this warmth, right, through the increase. You have Super Nino in 97, 98, Super Nino 2015, 16. This is a very strong El Nino now. Vol underwater volcano goes off, and it, it, it was so strong. Look, there's 19,000 of these things going off, mm. right? But you don't pay attention to it. What do you think is going to happen? Well, when the big one went off, that got people's attention. And so it, it's fascinating because, you know, they had to react to it. They go, oh, okay, yeah, it probably is responsible for one-sixth of the warming. What are you smoking? One-sixth? Water vapor is the number one greenhouse gas. It's responsible for almost all of it. So it's going to be drip, 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 drip. This will come out. And by the time it comes out completely, it will be too late. You'll be forced to drive your electric vehicle. You'll be, you know, rationing electricity 10 years. Uh, that's where we're headed. You know what's crazy is that they tell I, – when I was in high school, um, they teach – they taught me in class, or it was like earth – I forget what, what – earth science or something. It's like the reason CO2 can affect the oceans is like due to ocean acidification and the mixing of the atmosphere with the water and stuff. So basically the CO2 warms the ocean because of the mixing of the chemicals in the atmosphere, but also the the air getting hotter melts the ice caps and blah, 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 and that makes the oceans hotter. It's just amazing like how wrong that is. Well, the, uh, the, uh, the ice caps are melting because of underwater. But the ice caps uh, are only melting. Well, yeah, I know. But it's like you say, wait, to boil to, to boil some um, – to boil pasta, to boil water for pasta, you don't heat the air around it. You, heat, you light a fire beneath it, which makes right. perfect sense. Or even simpler, if you're in the sauna, to heat up the sauna, you don't just breathe more. You throw water on the rocks. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, what and then it instant, instantly blasts you in the face. Well, what happens is that what, here, here's, here's how Cunningham. <laughs> we, it's unbelievable. This Casey Cunningham is the assistant wrestling coach at Penn State, and I, I'm not just dropping it. He's one of the closest friends I've ever had. So, you know, we'd be in the sauna, and I'd get in there first, and I'd get that thing up to 212, 213. And then, uh, you know, usually Cunningham would come in with Kale, and they'd make the comment like, uh, hey, we're going to heat this thing up today? And Cunningham <laughs> would go out and get the water and throw it on there. So what happens is that energy – once that dries out, mm -hmm. leaves a higher base temperature. Mm -hmm. So they, we start playing. I called him up one time. I said, hey, I got it to 213. <laughs> he was on the road. 
He goes, oh, well, I got it to 214 last week. <laughs> I mean, it was the same thing when we used to trade. I would do something for 10 reps. He would sit, he would put it on 10 more pounds to do it for 11. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's no – I'm going to tell you what a stud this guy is. He goes in there, and that temperature is 211, 212. He lies down, falls asleep in there. <laughs> I, I've never seen it after practice. I've never – how the heck do you fall asleep at 211 degrees? What else are you going to do? Just sit well, there? Well, that's why he's such a good athlete. Uh, I mean, if you... Yeah. I've, yeah. The vol- I, going back to the volcanic activity, <laughs> I, how, how much has it varied from 1990 It's just to been now? steadily increasing. I have a PowerPoint that I, I show people and uh, show how the, uh, you know, the, uh, from 1991, 92, that's when it started to increase, and it's just been... You know, increasing in a jagged uh, upward. And so what you're doing is you're adding more and more and more energy to the ocean. And the ocean then has to reach a tipping point. Bang, a super nino goes off. And then these La Ninas, since 1997, uh, that super nino, we've been in a lot, what we call La Nina base state. And what that means is that the easterlies in the Pacific have been blowing stronger than what they were the previous 20 or 30 years. Why, why is that? Because it has warmed up so much in the Western Pacific that the air is going up in the Western Pacific, so the air is coming across to replace it, so the easterlies are stronger. This causes upwelling, and there's cooling of the water off South America, and the means to go, oh, look at that, the water's cooling. It's cooling as a simple reaction to the amount of warming that's going on. Mm. It's not a sign that, oh, we're turning this thing around. It's a sign it's, it's sort of resisting. It's sort of like a guy in a wrestling match that is stalling, and he's about to get hit again, right? So it's just, it's just a continuous uh, – it's funny arguing with people because, uh, you know, oh, well, because uh, you argue with the CO2 people that go, you realize what this means? That uh, there's no way we can stop the warming. I go, that's right. That's right. There's no way you're going to stop this warming. The way you stop it is it's self-regulating. The war. Sorry, I don't know why warming's bad. If you the, like, it's the, not. I know that's what I keep saying because I remember Kamala Harris made one one comment about how hard it's going to be for homeless people that the, it, it's warming. I'm like, you you think that it's going to be harder for homeless people to live in a warmer climate than 10 degrees? Not even or, or like. Oh, the oceans are rising. Or, or I was in this uh, Italian class at Penn State, and they're like, "Oh, Venice is almost ruined because the oceans are rising, the, or the the water levels are rising in Venice, and it's ruining." Like, the, is that the oceans' fault? Is that the climate's fault that you built a town on a water, like on well, water? Wait, it's even worse or like than my, that. Or if, or if, let's say the the that there were actually fish swimming in the streets of Miami. Is that it's on a it's on a sandbar? Isn't, isn't Miami uh, built on a man-made uh, uh, sandbar? Yeah, uh, but but you know the Venice thing is hysterical. It's if only I had equipped you before to say, <laughs> do you? Un- pardon me, uh, teacher. Do you understand that Venice is a floating dock? I know that but is, it's a, just a balsa wood dock. I that's mean, what I, I'm it's saying. amazing that they could pull that. So it doesn't matter because it's still going to rise and fall with the Aqua Alta, which has <laughs> been occurring since time time began, you know, when the doges or whatever mm-hmm. they were. were I, 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 I used to, I would love to be, I've always wanted, my bucket list is if I had enough money, if I saw a snowstorm coming to go to Venice, because it snows there in Venice. It's like Norfolk, Virginia. But, uh, uh, you know, you get that, and you get some of the other stuff that these people, my, by, 
Miami Beach is built on a man-made sandbar. <laughs> it's like the old Sam Kinison thing. You live in a desert. There's no food here. What do you think <laughs> is going to happen? Well, you live on a man-made sandbar. I know. It's just an. It's just. A, it is an exemplification of how this left-wing. I don't even know if it's left-wing anymore because usually a liberal mindset would be like very loose and like uh be like curious. rfk jr alan yeah. dershowitz but this is a very controlling like we want to control the atmosphere this is which should be the same all the time which is the antithesis <laughs> of the atmosphere it's just like what jordan peterson talks about chaos order i know that doesn't originate him that originates with eastern like e that's an eastern philosophy chaos order blah 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 all that jazz is like there will always be action reaction there will, and th these people want to dominate it and control it. And it always boils down to that in every domain of politics or every domain of life. It's just the same thing over and over. And then they try to trivialize this insanely complex system. Obviously, like, oh, CO2, greenhouse. I can teach that to a fifth grader. Like, no, what you just talked about with, like, the core of the earth and sun, it might be tied to sunspot activity. It's like, okay, if it actually is worse that it's getting warmer, which I'm not convinced that it's worse that it's getting warmer, and the problem is actually way worse than you can ever anticipate. It's hard enough to even predict a hurricane from three weeks out, never mind the global temperature of the earth in 30, 40 years. Well, and there's nothing you could do about it because the problem is way worse in your mind. But uh, we can control CO2, now, so now, now we can control people. This is the warmest year. Uh, the, the temperatures are higher than we've ever recorded them this year. It's not the hottest year because it's not hot. It's just, okay, it gets hot in Texas, but most of the globe is not hot. And they use a hottest ever, red paint bombs, percent. They use these percentile rankings rather than the actual temperatures because the actual temperatures, you know, 0.1, 0.2C higher than what it was before. Mm -hmm. All right, well, it's, you know, it's like what Kale says, when you find out what's so, so what? <laughs> like most things in life are so what when you clear everything away. Everybody that listens to this podcast, or 99.999% of the people that are alive now, that were alive before this year began, did not, uh, you know, they're living through this climate change. Well, nothing happened to them. <laughs> they're in good shape, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, typhoons hit Japan. Yeah. Well, typhoons hit Japan because the water's warmer. Well, typhoons, of course, they hit. That's why. That's why. That's why uh, the the origin of the name typhoon, I believe, is Japanese because they get <laughs> hit so much over there. I mean, you know. So the the thing is this: that these people want to elevate. If you can create a big enough problem, mm -hmm. and then you're and an the one that solves problem. it. an unsolvable problem. Yeah. No, they don't. I don't think they ever want it to be solved. Of course they don't. That's what I, I was like. Oh yeah, we need more money for it. We need to. We need the Green New Deal. We need more money. Okay, what is? You've not even made the problem has only gotten worse with all these billions yeah, of dollars dedicated to it. So what happened to all that money? That's what I wonder. Well, what you like to do not is even, how much CO two is in the air? How much does man put in there? For instance, the 0.042 percent of the atmosphere is is CO two, mm -hmm. and men put in about 10 percent of that. <laughs> the United States puts in 10 percent of that. It, to to trans transfer our economy here in the United States to net zero by 2050 costs 350 trillion dollars. Mm -hmm. Now, would 10 percent of 10 percent of 0.042 percent? What difference will that make on the global temperature? And you know what you get? Well, we have to set the example. What? To, we need to set an example of committing national suicide, which is what we, which is which is really what's going on here. 
It's it's and I don't know how it stopped. I really don't. Well, and the example is not going to be followed either, and that is uh, yes. also part of the problem. Is China whatever? Again, if you buy into all of this, the net impact of the United States getting to net zero while China continues to escalate at the degree <laughs> they do, the, the net difference is zero again. Yeah. Well, yeah so, uh, oh, and maybe not even that because of the increases uh, in, in CO2 in China. So I, it just is uh, – it, it's an amazing – predicament that we find ourselves in well it's a man that's the real man-made predicament but it's probably one that we should discuss in our next podcast that the man may and i i wrote an article jeff on cfax say the greatest existential threat is climate change policy it's not mm. climate change yeah and we could get into that next week or something that like is that. a fine plan let's do that yeah mm. let's i mean we, we, we've been going on uh, and even though we all know that I could talk a blue storm up, I think we ought to let the audience try to digest whatever this. Uh, what am I, a dog-faced pony, pony soldier? Boy. Yeah, pony, pony soldier. That's what pony it was. Pony soldier. Soldier. I, I, I got that mixed up. <laughs> all right. So, I, Jeff, you're the professional here. Why don't you sign this thing off? I think you need to sign it off with your signature. Oh, yeah. But I, I will say farewell, and I do look forward to the next podcast because i do think there's well i don't think i know there's a lot of different branches that we can get into but i i i would like to follow up with the the planned discussion on the uh, man-made quote-unquote solutions uh, to this uh, predicament that we find ourselves in yeah well jesse you want to say goodbye bye Hello. all right well jesse says goodbye jeff says <laughs> goodbye and i say goodbye listen don't let this stuff get you down i want you to get out there and enjoy the weather, because it's the only weather you've got.